you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome into NFL Now. Alongside my buddy Steve Weich, I'm Omar Reese in the NFL Network Newsroom. Steve, another Thursday night thriller, another Chiefs Chargers game going down to the wire. They, they always do. I mean, ever since Justin Herbert took over the starting job, what a great game. Herbert gutted it out, but Patrick Mahomes made the plays when they had to be made. We'll have much more on Chargers and Justin Herbert's injury in just a moment, but let's show you what happened last night. As Steve alluded to, it's always a going down to the wire nail-biter when these two get together, primarily because of the quarterbacks. Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes had sensational week ones to start the season, and Mahomes looking like a second baseman coming up, taking the short ball, and a sidearm to first, Steve. Bro, just a sidearm throw, nothing the Chargers could do. Look at this. Got all the pursuit going to the right oh I, got, I can do that they were his, arm, down. his arms based on a protractor they were down early that would cut the lead to 10 to 7 that was our halftime score let's go to the third quarter now Justin Herbert going up for Mike Williams what a play one-handed grab we've seen this before out of the Chargers against the Chiefs one-handed grab in the end zone what a catch with coverage all over no Keenan Allen last night Mike Williams had to come up big he did eight catches for 113 yards. And then how about a big night for the Jay Watson crew? Justin Watson gets into the end zone. Absolutely stick with Mahomes, stick with Mahomes stepping up and delivering a beautiful ball to Watson. Obviously the biggest play of the game. Gerald Everett had a long oh. catch and run. A little fatigue there and upsteps Jalen Watson for the 99 interception return. Turn the game, Steve. And guess who's not fatigued? The man who just made the house call. You know, Gerald Everett might have been tired, but the guy covering sure wasn't. It was the longest touchdown by a rookie in the fourth quarter on a go-ahead score in NFL history. Chargers not done yet. Here's Gerald Everett trying to make up for that one. They're down seven, third and two. Justin Herbert takes a huge shot. There it is again, Steve. Falls on the helmet of Dana right there. I mean, you could just feel the reverberations going through his rib cage. He would have to come out. Our boy Chase Daniel comes in, but Herbert goes right back in. This time on third and one. Has the first down, easy scramble, but throws it away. Obviously in too much pain there. Just look at that. I mean, he's just grimacing, can't get his win, can't get it together until here. He threw a rope on fourth and won a play oh. after that, and that set up this score. Josh Palmer, seven-yard touchdown to make it a one-score game. Onside kick now for the Chargers' last oh, chance. Oh, oh, oh. Ball's on the ground. Hands team. Noah Gray and the Chiefs pick it up, and that is your ball game. 27-24, week two, underway with another Thursday night thriller. Justin Herbert undergoing x-rays after the game. More on that in a moment. But Patrick Mahomes finding a way to win a huge AFC West divisional rivalry game. Yeah, I mean, we just hung around. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. The defense kept us in the game. Offense, we didn't. I mean, we didn't play our best football. And I think the defense, that was huge for them to keep us in that game, make some plays, get points on the board, um, and then just just give us a chance. And um, I think with a young defense like that, to see that this early in the season, I think that's going to carry us the rest of the way. He's okay. Um, it was a tough game, and you're not going to see a quarterback 
in any level of football play tougher and do more for their team and will their team um, to give them a chance than him. There's nobody that can do what he can do. Nobody. Um, he showed a lot of guts. He showed us what he shows every day, um, that we're never out of the fight. And he brought us back and gave us a chance. There's older rivalries in the NFL, bitter rivalries in the NFL, but I don't know if more one is more fun right now than Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes. Always electric when those two get together. We'll be watching them for years to come. Big question is, will we be watching Justin Herbert in week three when they return to Los Angeles to host the Jacksonville Jaguars? Mike Garofolo joining us now. Justin Herbert had those x-rays after the game. Mike, what can you tell us more about Justin Herbert's injury? Yes, Omar, I don't know if Brandon Staley ever did say that the x-rays were negative. He did say that, uh, excuse me, Herbert was okay. Uh, my understanding is the x-rays were negative. That's what I've been told. Now, that's only half the story, though, when it comes to rib injuries. I was watching Good Morning Football this morning on the flight home from Kansas City. Dr. Ian Rappaport was on, and he told the audience that there's fractures in the ribs, but then there's also rib cartilage. You could have an issue there. Uh, Dr. Rappaport is correct. So that is why Herbert today is undergoing a series of tests, including a CT scan. Ian told me that that's the exact exam that's going to be done, and that'll give the full story. Now, if it's some kind of merely a pain tolerance thing for Justin Herbert, and there's 10 days from this game against the Chiefs to the next game, I would say that there's a good chance of him playing. I think the only way they keep him out of there is if it's some kind of uh, issue medically that they see on these scans and they need to hold him back. If it's just pain tolerance, he's going to give it a go, just like he did last night. I mean, we're watching that game. He can barely run. He wanted to stay in the, in the game. The guy's an ultimate competitor, and that's why he stayed in to throw that touchdown pass there at the end. So the full battery of tests will give the full story, Omar, but as of last night, no major concerns with what they saw on the x-rays at the stadium. And Mike Garofolo, the ultimate competitor, flying home this morning to be on the air with us after being inside Arrowhead. A little different. Stadium last night. Mike, great job. <laughs> Thank you very much. Much more from you a little bit later. Right, We welcome Mark Ross in now with a little front office perspective on this thriller last night. Steve, we'll start with you, though. Justin Herbert has obviously had so much talent his first two-plus years now in the NFL. All the records. How impressed were you with his toughness last night? Well, I'm super impressed. I mean, you know, it's not the first quarterback we've seen go through rib injuries and play like that, but just the fact he took that hit, you saw later on the next drive he comes in, he could have scrambled for the first down, didn't have it, and then rallies back to make the big throw that led to a touchdown. Goes to show his toughness and the fact how much he wants to win. And this, again, as Brandon Staley said, very few people can do the things he does. He is that special of a player. Um, we'll see how the ribs goes. Again, he's got eight or nine days now before the next game. Let's not forget, Mark. I mean, we just let, let's not walk away from it. Justin Herbert got his role as a starter. When Ty Taylor was the starter a couple years ago, had a rib injury, took a shot before the game where he had negative side effects, which opened the door for Herbert to become the sudden starter and emerge as the starter that he is. No question. A shame would happen to Ty. Herbert would have been the starter anyway. But, yes, I love the talent, special talent. Love the toughness that he showed last night. But what's the next, next step for Justin Herbert? And that's to start winning games like last night's game. Going into the game, the questions were, is he ready to be on Mahomes' level? And I said, yes, he's got to start winning these sort of, win this game tonight. That's how he takes that step. Look, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes under Andy Reid know how to win. They have the mentality when you're a part of a great team, you go into games expecting to win. 
and you do everything possible to do that and you don't have any doubt with that. The Chargers, in order for them to take that next step, have to start developing that identity and developing that confidence because the last few years, hey, we, we blame Anthony Lynn a couple years ago, late game failures, and now we're seeing the same thing with the Chargers. Like, when are they going to take that step to go into games and say, we're going to close games out like this? I think with Justin Herbert's talent and toughness, that will eventually come, Omar. But right now, the Chiefs are still number one. Yeah, Chargers last three games in that big primetime spotlight, the Thursday night game right here at SoFi Stadium against the Chiefs last year, the Week 18 win in in-game versus the Raiders, and now this one last night. Chargers in them all to the end, but can't find a way to get it again. After that game last night, what stood out to you in terms of the way the pendulum swung with Jalen Watson's INT? Well, yeah, I must say, first, I really can't put all the stuff on Herbert, but the, that, that pick six, that changed the game, right? It was 17-all, the Chargers were driving. Gerald Everett does not complete the route. We saw the play before, he tried to tap out with fatigue, and then Watson, with the pick, takes it to the house, gives the Chiefs the 24-7 lead, which they would not relinquish. And this was, again, Kansas City making the plays, led to the pick. From that point on, the Chiefs defense goes out and forces two punts on the next two Chargers possessions. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire seals it later on with a 52-yard run. But this play right here was the difference in the game that gave the victory to the Chiefs. Yeah, no question. See, that was a play of the game, and, and once that happened, you knew it was over. And I don't, I don't blame Herbert for that one at all. You know, Gerald Everett, as you mentioned, the play before, he's trying to get out of there. That route was not good. He should have stayed there, but he was so fatigued, he just slid over there. Then he dropped his mouthpiece. If you look at it, he's trying to get his mouthpiece. He's not even worried about chasing the play. But these sort of games when great teams play each other, it comes down to one or two plays. You know, we talk about things and analyze things about what's going to happen and if the defense does this, the quarterback does that. But it really boils down to one or two plays per game in these sort of big games that make the difference. And you saw that last night. And up to this point, the Chiefs know how to win those games and come up with those big plays. Uh, but, you know, it was exciting. We thought the first half it would be all the fireworks and, uh, you know, offensive explosion there. But. You can grind it out, too, and the Chiefs have shown two different ways. Last week, they go blow somebody out. This week, they win a tough game, and that's just their calling card of winning teams. Mark, is that on the coaching staff for failing to realize Everett was gas, or is that on Everett for not fighting through in spite of his uh, out of breath? A, a little bit of both. You know, the tight end coach had been looking on that, but but definitely with the, a veteran like that. But, you know, guys that have been on three teams in four years, there's a little something there despite the talent. And, you know, not to say that, you know, that was the case, but – you know, that is definitely an issue where you want your players to be all in and give it all. And, and if you can't go, you got it. That's the difference between winners and Super Bowl champs. That little effort there that he, sh he could have shown on that play. Well, the whole offseason we discussed, how do the Chiefs replace Tyree Kill, Mark? First couple games, what have you seen? By committee. You know, each, each last week, nine guys touched the ball. This week, nine guys touched the ball. And this is the way I think that they'll have to play the rest of the year. And I think they still got other guys that can work in there when Sky Moore, the second round pick, starts getting in there and getting more catches and touches and getting more acclimated. So for the Chiefs, it is by committee. And you see a guy, uh, you know, like a Justin Watson step up out of nowhere and make a big play out of the Ivy League pen, by the way, to make a play. And Kelsey's always going to be the constant. But I think each week you'll see other players step in there to make big plays, and they have that depth. And when you talk about depth, they just don't have bodies. They've had guys that they sh have shown the past two games that can make plays when called upon, who are there and can make plays. That's the difference of just having bodies in there. And the Chiefs so far have shown that. 
I think they'll only get better the more guys get into that and Patrick gets more comfortable, Omar. And Steve, as you look at the Chargers offense, what were they missing more last night? A, a dominant running game or Keenan Allen? Uh, I'll say two offensive linemen. Um, <laughs> look, that was the big thing when they had the injuries to the offensive line. Mike Williams stepped up and he played his heart out. And, 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 and you know, for Gerald Everett, you know, making that play, he played well, but the run game got shut down, especially in the second half, because they lost their starting center, Corey Lindsley, and right tackle Trey Pipkins. They could not get the ball to do what they normally do. This is a huge play right here. But look, first half, the Chiefs only had one QB hit. Second half, they had seven. That was Steve Spagnuolo's offense and Frank Clark and Chris Jones and those guys, yours, Carlaftis, taking advantage of the injuries on the offensive line. That was a significant blow to what happened to the Chargers and allowed that Chiefs defense, which is going to continue to get better, to gain some traction and take advantage of some of those injuries and get those hits on Justin Herbert. If you never notice how good Corey Lindsley is at center in the National Football League, last night was Exhibit A. <laughs> right, you realize how good he is. Yeah, certainly turned the tide when he went down. Mark Ross, Steve Weichick, much more from you a little later in the show. Right now, it's our insider report with Tom Pelissero, Mike Garofolo, and Ian Rappaport. Ian, we'll start with you. Huge NFC South renewing that rivalry between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints this weekend. It's like an all-star roster. When you look at the injury report, Ian, for them, what's the latest on the Buccaneers' injuries? Yeah, Bucks have traditionally struggled against Dennis Allen's defense with the New Orleans Saints. We'll see who they have out there to, uh, this Sunday to get after them. We'll go through some of the injuries. Chris Godwin still dealing with a hamstring injury. Coach Todd Bowles would not definitively rule him out, but did say it's going to be tough for him to be out there, so expect Chris Godwin to not be out there still dealing with that hamstring injury. Meanwhile, Julio Jones, a dealt with a knee injury, was not out there yesterday, was out there today. That's a really good sign for his availability. I would expect him to play. Similar situation for Mike Evans. Popped up with a calf, was not out there yesterday after being limited on Wednesday. Also back at practice today, expect him to play as well. And then similar situation for Russell Gage, another one of their wide receivers. This is all about all of their wide receivers. He also was at practice today after being slowed by a hamstring. So they may not have Godwin, but it does seem like they're going to have the rest of them, guys. And Ian, it's a similar situation right now with their opponent, the Saints, who have a lot of big names on the injury report going into this week. Start out with their quarterback, Jameis Winston, who has been limited in practice the past two days because of a back injury. Winston actually went into the medical tent during last week's game, but was able to come back out. He finished, he was throwing up the W's after the game. Certainly seems like he's trending toward playing, but there still are those lingering questions as well as there are in the backfield. You've got running back Mark Ingram, who's been limited the past two games because of an ankle injury. And Alvin Kamara, maybe the biggest one, limited on Wednesday, then did not practice on Thursday. That's often a sign of a player whose status is up in the air for the game. Saints are back on the practice field about 15 minutes from now. Kamara said after last week's game, he thought he was okay, but whether or not he's on the field today will probably tell us a lot about whether we can expect to see him on Sunday, Omar. And Mike, another big divisional rivalry matchup, the Seahawks and 49ers. Didn't have George Kittle last week versus the Bears, the 49ers. What's the latest on him approaching this one? Omar, George Kittle remaining out of practice the last couple of days with that groin issue. John Lynch, the general manager for the 49ers, uh, was on the radio, I believe, this morning saying that the decision on Kittle will come right down to game time. Now, they said the, last, uh, the same thing last week, and he wound up not playing. I I'll respect what Lynch said, but as I sit here right now, my educated 
I mean, I wouldn't even call it a guess. My uh, belief, based on the conversations that I have had, is that George Kittle will not play in this game either. But I can't tell you that with 100% certainty. Just prepare yourself, if he's on your fantasy team, to have somebody else playing on Sunday uh, in your lineup. Uh, one other injury I want to give you a note on, DeAndre Swift, the running back for the Lions, who downplayed his ankle issue when he spoke to the media yesterday after missing practice, back at practice today. So that is a good sign for the Lions that their young running back is back on the field. The official designation uh, for his status for the game will come out later today, but a good sign that A, he is so confident, and B, he is back on the practice field. Yeah, monster game against the Eagles last week, 144 yards, certainly could use him against the Commanders this weekend. Tom, Mike, Ian, thank you all very much. Still to come here on NFL Now, we are looking forward to that big matchup in Dallas. Seems like the sky is falling now with the AFC champs and the Bengals. Joey B coming to town. How do the Cowboys respond without Dak? That's next on NFL Now. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So Dak Prescott is out. Cooper Rush is in. Of course, had that start last week against Minnesota, leading the Cowboys to a win. But the Cowboys have big problems. Quarterback not the only one. And the fans are letting talk radio know in Big D. We sat through the same BS last year to watch San Francisco. We sat through the same BS tonight. Brian, my question to you is, why do we keep feeding in to the BS that Jerry wants us to do as us peasants are down there buying ice cream cones and he's up there in the suite? Nobody's scared of us. Nobody is, like, intimidated weak when we show up. And I think it's because uh, our coach doesn't have full control. My problem is this game got me drinking tonight. And the reason is Kellen Moore, I don't think he forgot how to call an offense. They led the league in scoring last year. The problem is he don't know when to pass and when to run. Mike McCarthy, he may have to take over play calling because do you put your job in the hands of somebody that did what he did today? All right, inside the eye of the storm is Jane Slater. It is all happening right now, Jane, with Cowboys fans. You think about inexperienced quarterbacks, a defense, a running game, their best friend. How do the Cowboys get that running game going against that Bengals defense? Well, Omar, real quick, I love that we played some of those fan calls because you can imagine my inbox. I am not the Cowboys suggestion box, but Jerry joked. <laughs> I don't know if he was joking. I actually think he was serious. On the fan this morning, he said he'd be open to taking calls from fans, and he understands that they're upset. But one of the things they're most upset about, Omar, is the fact they're not committing to the run, despite telling us all offseason and through training camp that that's what they wanted to do. Ezekiel Elliott says they have to commit to it. And he says – 
they've got the efficiency there. He was asked, well, were your 10 Sunday enough? And he emphatically gave a simple answer of no. He played through an injury last season, but says he's ready to go still against the Bengals. But against the Bucks, let's just talk about uh, what he did. Again, just 10 carries, 23 yards. Uh, Najee Harris, or he had 53 rather, Najee Harris only had 23 yards on 10 carries against the Bengals. And they need to get something going because as we discussed this last hour, CeeDee Lamb struggling with the double coverage this season. And we saw Dak Prescott throwing in those tight windows. How is Cooper Rush going to do that when they get the same sort of coverage? I've got a fun fact for you. Not sure if it's that much of a fun fact for fans. In his 33 <laughs> career games, Omar, can you guess how many times CeeDee Lamb has had 100 yards receiving? Two. Five. All right. <laughs> Not much better. Good for CeeDee, yeah. Better than I thought. Yeah. So on the other side of the yeah. ball, Micah Parsons, so much hype coming into year two. Obviously, defensive rookie of the year, and he played in week one fantastically. What's he saying about that week one loss? Well, I love that he's stepping up and being a leader of sorts in this locker room in just his second year. He says he sees an opportunity here, and when fans listen to that, the question might be why. You know, they started off 0-1 last season. They lost to Marcus Lawrence in practice following an unfortunate injury, and he points out they still managed to go to L.A. and beat the Chargers, but in that one, Tony Pollard had over 100 yards. CeeDee Lamb had 81. Dak was under center. Mike, Micah Parsons was the guy who stepped up, got a sack. Trayvon Diggs had an interception. So you're going to need that and much more when you're facing the Bengals on Sunday. And I'd love to point out to you guys that teams that go 0-2, only about 12% of them make the playoffs every year. So they've got to get a win this weekend. Yeah, Cowboys haven't started 0-2 since the 2010 season. So, you know, if there's this much noise and drama after one week, we can imagine what it would be like if they have two losses to start this season. Jane Slater, thank you very much. Meanwhile, we welcome back Mark Rosso. As good as that Eagle secondary on paper has appeared to improve during this offseason, they still gave up 35 points to the Lions. How on earth do they slow down Justin Jefferson? <laughs> well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt that they were—they got up so early that the defense or the, the offense for the Lions was just chucking it around. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt in game one that it was because they were down so much. But what they'll have to do is, look, Justin Jefferson, no corner in the league can cover this guy one-on-one. -on -one. I would imagine that the Eagles will have Darius Slay on him, following him, but then also with safety help. But... What it really comes down to is that front for the Eagles. You know, the vaunted front that I thought coming into the season with Hassan Reddick and Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis, the rookie, uh, going there with Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat. I thought they had a lot of bodies up there that could really get after the quarterback and dominate the game. But in game one, they only sacked Jared Goff one time. So they didn't really show up. So it's important that they show up and get after Kirk Cousins. Because as we've seen, Kirk Cousins is at his best when he's in rhythm. No one's around him. He can pick you apart on those quick timing routes. But once you start getting into Kirk Cousins' face, making him uncomfortable, that's when we see Kirk Cousins sort of fall apart. So it's got to be imperative for that Eagles front to really dictate the game because if Justin Jefferson gets loose one-on-one -on, -one on anybody, uh, he's going to put up another performance like that. And don't forget, we still got Adam, Adam Thielen to worry about and Cook coming out the backfield. So Eagles front, dominate the game, Omar. Yeah, that offense playing potently with Kirk Cousins making all the right decisions against Green Bay. And that one to cap week two, a historic Monday night. Going to be part of a concurrent doubleheader. The Bills-Titans will kick things off. And then about an hour and a half later, Eagles-Vikings. So check your local listings. Mark Ross, thank you very much.
Meanwhile, we have the across the street, the Falcons and the Rams will be our first time getting a look at the Rams since they were blown out against the Buffalo Bills in the NFL kickoff game. Kayla, we start with you. How do the Rams improve their running game after what we saw against the Bills last week? Well, the running game needs to be improved solely because they only had 52 rush yards. But one other thing I'll add, Omar, with Cam Akers being a much better part of that offense. But the offensive line I want to talk about as well because the O-line struggled to protect quarterback Matthew Stafford. He took seven sacks, had a number of different hits. And you have to also remember, this is a quarterback who's really healing his right elbow. And there's also a lot of new shifting parts on that offensive line. Center Brian Allen is expected to miss roughly two to four weeks with a knee injury. So they're going to be moving right guard Coleman Shelton over to center. He's played there before. There's not a whole lot of concern there. But then the question becomes, okay, what do we do at right guard? Logan Bruss isn't in the picture because he had his season-ending injury. So you can expect the Rams to potentially turn their attention to Tremaine Akram. This is a player who has only played 13 games in the NFL. Mind you, when he was playing at Clemson, guys, he was solely a tackle. He hasn't played a whole lot of guard, not only in the National Football League, but in general. So he was asked that question, you know, how do you feel going from transitioning from tackle to guard? He says he feels confident, and I'll tell you this. Offensive coordinator Liam Cohen, as well as Sean McVay, say they both see a lot of confidence in him, and they wouldn't put him in a position if they didn't think he was ready to go on Sunday. Well, I hope he's confident because the interior of Grady Jarrett and Anthony Rush for the Falcons is pretty good. And they got some linebackers who are going to be going to test him, too, Michael Walker and some of these guys coming up. But I want to flip it to the Falcons real quick. You saw Marcus Mariota rush for 72 yards on 12 carries in the opener. That mobile pocket is a different thing than the Falcons have used in the 14 years when Matt Ryan was quarterbacking. And we also saw the Rams get exploited with a running quarterback in Josh Allen in week one. So it'll be, it'll be you know, a task to this defense to track a mobile quarterback in the run lanes it naturally creates. So, Kayla, I want to kind of send it back to you right here. You talked to D.C. Raheem Morris, mm -hmm. and he mentioned the fact that there are legitimate comparisons in the running styles with Mariota and Josh Allen. How do they combat that? They got to be in the rush lanes, and they also have to shed blocks, especially if you're going up against guys like Cordero Patterson. I mean, Raheem Morris made it very clear that this is a player who can not only beat you in the receiving game, but he can play tight end. He can be a running back. He's great at returning. But if you make the comparison of Josh Allen and Marcus Mariota, obviously the experience is different, but both can beat you on their legs or with their legs, and that's something he says that point blank, we have to make sure that we're ready to compete come Sunday. And they put 26 points on the board against the Saints, and Kyle Pitts wasn't much of a factor, so they get something from him. Look out for that Rams defense. All right, Kayla Steve, thank you very much. Meanwhile, still to come, the rushing attack of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on full display in Carolina last week. Can they repeat that performance against the Jets? Those answers with Tom Pelissero. We found them next on NFL Now. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Right, this is the game I'm most looking forward to on Sunday. Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill against Lamar Jackson. 
and the Ravens. Devin Duvernay, a couple touchdowns on Sunday. A lot of fireworks potentially expected in Baltimore. For more on this matchup, let's welcome back our Mark Ross and Cameron Wolf. Cam, you'll be there. Lamar Jackson, a lot of talk about how he's going to face this Dolphins blitz happy defense. What's he saying about it? Yeah, Omar, the Ravens have spent all offseason watching the tape of last year's game where the Dolphins just sent blitz after blitz after blitz. Lamar Jackson said this week pretty confidently that we feel like we have answers for it if they try it this year. Offensive coordinator Greg Roman said we're going to make them pay if they roll the dice on those cover zero blitzes. And just to remind folks, I was at that Thursday night game last year. Lamar Jackson was rolling to an MVP frontrunner race, and the Dolphins sent 38 defensive back blitzes from Brandon Jones and Javon Howard and their two safeties and really got Lamar Jackson frustrated and off their spot. And so one thing I anticipate the Ravens doing, one, they hope they have J.K. Dobbins to help in the run game. He just spoke a few minutes ago to reporters and said we will see with a smile regarding if he plays. And the other element, the deep ball. Lamar Jackson said that scares people off the blitz. I'm looking forward to seeing Devin DuVernay, who had a big day last week on the other cornerback of the Miami Dolphins. Calais Campbell told him last week, I, I had you on my fantasy team, but I left you on this bench. He told him he won't leave him on the bench again this week, Mark. <laughs> well, Cam, you hit them both. I mean, the double <laughs> double duo there of they got to run the ball. They only ran for 64 yards last week, only averaged three yards per rush against the Jets defense. So that has to be better here against this Miami defense to dictate the game. That's what the Ravens do best is control the game by running the ball and then take the deep shots as we saw last week. That's encouraging that they did hit the three big deep balls last week. So they'll definitely need more of that this week against a better Miami defense and a better Miami secondary than they faced last week against the Jets. So, yes, encouraging with the deep balls last week, but couldn't run the ball. They can't have one or the other. They have to have both, and they're intertwined to win this game against that Miami defense, who you know are not scared of that Ravens offense, Omar. Yeah, it Cam. should be a fun game. Both teams off to a great start, 1-0, trying to prove that they're capable of more here in week number two. Mark Cam, thank you very much. Gets the ball, it goes to Chubb, he's wide open. A big run by Nick Chubb, as only Nick Chubb can do. Brissett calling signals, turns, play action fake. He's got a man wide open, Hunt tumbles, he's got it! Touchdown into the end zone! Hunt blasts through, 15, 10, quarter, 5, touchdown! He's got two of them, Kareem Hunt, one by air, one by land! For more on the Browns and the Jets, we welcome back our Tom Pelissero. There he is. I think when you look at that game, that they had more than 200 scrimmage yards for both Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt. That's what Kevin Stefanski envisions with his offense. How did the Jets slow them down, Tom? Omar, I talked earlier today to Jets coach Robert Sala, who just said this run game is ridiculous. They've got arguably the best one-two punch in all of football. they got one of the best in the business. Um, Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach who has a heavy hand in designing that run game. They just do a really good job holding their gaps and stressing the defense. However, one of the positives that came out of last week for the Jets, and you just heard Mark Ross allude to it, was the way that they played against the run with the Baltimore Ravens. Held them to the lowest rushing total they've had in a game in the Lamar Jackson era. And obviously, that's a Ravens run game that can test you in a lot of different ways. So, what the Jets have to do, obviously, can't let the ball get thrown over your head. But in terms of the running game, this is one of those weeks where you kind of want Jacoby Brissett to have to be the guy to beat you. If they can continue to be fundamentally sound, play as fast and physical as they did a week ago, that's one area where the Jets think this is going to be a really good test, of course, Omar, but they think that they've got an opportunity here to really show what they're all about. Yeah, Brown's trying to improve to 2-0 
since Bill Belichick was a head coach back in 1993. They've yet to do it in the latest version of the Browns looking to do it against the New York Jets on Sunday. Tom Pelissero, thank you very much. Greg Rosenthal, our buddy with his game picks. Look at this, 4-0 last week, including that Seahawks upset over the Broncos. And look how close he was on the actual score. It was 17-16. He had 18-17. Great call by Greg. Here's this week's picks from Greg Rosenthal. Thank you, Omar. All right, Dan Hans is here with Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. Greg, you have your picks column every week, and uh, let's talk about some because I think we have some issues with it. Let's start with Carolina Giants. Uh, Mark, you're a big fan of the Giants. Greg, not so much, according to his article. I am a little baffled by you picking the Panthers to win this. Now, I get it. These aren't, there isn't a clear uh, superpower here, but the Giants, coming out of week one, have some of the best energy of any team in the league, and the Panthers, the opposite. I just thought, I understand that Baker Mayfield kind of surged down the stretch in that game. Their offense was a huge mess. In their defense, As opposed by the way, to, like, the, the well, Giants offense no, was but great on. in it's the, the first it's half the of the game? the other side of this. Like, the way that Saquon Barkley is running right now, and the, like, the Panthers defense operated as, like, a missed tackle robot. Like, they missed 18 tackles. They cannot stop Saquon Barkley, after what I saw Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt doing, the Giants win this thing. Brian Dable goes to 2-0. Oh. Best story in the NFC. I mean, to me, these are two bottom seven or eight in the league teams. And when, like, everyone's going to pick the Giants, and a week ago at this time, the Giants would have been an underdog. Like, that's – I can't see either of these teams being 2-0. and And I think McCaffrey will take advantage of those Giants linebackers who really struggled a week ago covering uh, Dontrell Hilliard. So I, I just don't trust this Giants I'm not defense. surprised you go contrarian. We, don't, we know that about Greg. That's, that's a Greg thing. How about Raiders-Cardinals? You got the Raiders 28-20, so that's a nice – Comfortable, comfortable win. win. We locked them up on the podcast. You and Sessie. Me and Mark. So I yeah. You know, Sessie, he's a top 10 I NFL analyst. He sure is. I, I like it. How could you not be uncomfortable with the state of the Cardinals when the team that showed up in week one looked just like the team that finished out uh, 2021 in the playoffs and down the stretch? So they need, they've they entered now show-me-something mode, the Cardinals, where I'm going to think they're going to be a mess until they prove they're not. The Raiders, I thought that was a disappointing loss, Greg, in week one against the Chargers, but they did hang around. They were right in it to the end. I think they get right. I'm with you on this I pick. think, like, their offensive coaching staff will look at the Cardinals linebackers, and they'll, like, go after Isaiah Simmons, go after Zayvon Collins. On defense, I think they're going to blitz the heck out of Kyler Murray. The communication was all wrong, like – in locks, to me, it's more about picking against the team, and we're just picking against I the Cardinals right now. I am picking against the Cardinals. They look disorganized to me. You're not going to get three terrible interceptions by Derek Carr this time. I think the Raiders' offense is going to come out looking to lash a really wanting secondary in Arizona. By the way, like you can pretty much lock these up because I went 4-0 with my picks with Omar last week, Dan. 4-0, including that Geno Smith upset. Well, you'll be sure we're to tell us. We're on a heater. Good job. Well, how about this? <laughs> Ravens, Dolphins, you got 24-17. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that close. This is my Ooh. lock of the week this week on the Around the NFL podcast. I think the Ravens here, uh, Mark, are going to come out of that week one against the Jets, a blowout win, and keep put, putting it on an AFC East team. I'm not sold on that Dolphins offense yet, despite a nice win against the Pats to start the I season. I do like Miami's defensive front. I think if you can make Lamar Jackson uncomfortable the way that he was at times last year against the Blitz, he'll just run. Yeah, maybe. But they didn't do it this they, week one. I think it depends if you what happens with their backfield because their running game was not a power or strength last year, last week, and that's been the case with them all along. 
to me, I, I I don't know. I think the Dolphins are a little spicier than you seem to give them credit for. Mm. I really do. I, I think didn't, got... I didn't taste a lot of spice in week. Right. One. I, I looked didn't. and I you know what I saw? I saw a 2021 level of Tua spice. So similar teams, great defenses, didn't have a running game a week ago. Which quarterback do I trust to pull it out? It's Lamar. Fair. 13 points, by the way, Miami's offense scored in week one. They had a defensive score there, too. That's how they operate. All right. There you go. We're excited for week two. We know you are as well. Miss you, Back Omar. To you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.